dating is the ultimate sale. You've got to do, you've got to get your confidence up. You've got to do your prospect outreach. You've got to do your qualifying questions, do your sales presentation. NLP looks at process. I want to know what is the deep underlying structure beneath the surface that keeps people stuck, that causes internal conflict. A mentor is someone who's paid your idiot tax. I've made all the mistakes that you've yet to make. I can take your feet and help you avoid stepping on the landmines and set them on the path. When I die, I want the on my deathbed, I want a smoking hot nine-year-old Swedish girl making me happy and an audience of people gathered around me that I can teach. One day, I'm going to go that way. I'm just going to be an empty shell. I better play it big. I better recognize that you only have a limited number of innings. And compared to everything else, that moment was really transformational. As long as I don't have to clean up after it, pay for it, and it doesn't keep me up at night, I don't give a damn what people do. everybody and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. What I'm trying to do is to help you guys achieve your dreams. And how do we achieve dreams? We make them goals. We find something we need to do every day to get a little bit closer. To help you guys out, I meet and talk to some of the experts all over the world in different areas. You can get a little bit more inspired, but also get the tools to transform your life. And I'm really excited for this week's episode. I've been trying to get this guest on for a very long time. And the first time I read about this guy, I was blown away. And here we are, and we're going to chat for about 50 minutes. So without further ado, uh, this week we have Hunil Strauss, author of the game called The Undisputed Father of Modern Seduction. His name is Ross Jeffries, and he is so much more than that. He's an author, speaker, trainer, master hypnotist, and master practitioner of NLP. Ross has coached and mentored thousands of men around the world for the past 30 years, guiding them to success with women and business through the power of subconscious communication. So let's talk sales, seduction, and success with Ross Jeffries. So Ross, welcome to the I Love Success podcast. Thank you. I should say my actual name is Paul Ross, yeah. and here's my book, Subtle Words That Sell. Here's a book I wrote in 1988 under the pseudonym <laughs> Ross Jeffries, How to Get the Women You Desire into Bed, a down and dirty guide to dating and seduction <laughs> for the man who's fed up with being Mr. Nice Guy. So you can see I've slightly changed in appearance is that over you the years. <laughs> That's me. Oh, wow. And now this is me today. Yeah. Yay. Yay. We've rebranded substantially. I, I get that. And, you know, just to kind of give you my backstory and how I know who you are. So I think it was 10, 15 years ago, a friend of mine gave me the book, The Game, uh, like many others, uh, and uh, started reading that book, started getting interested in, you know, getting laid, being more attractive in the eyes of women. Uh, but for me, after reading the game, I also realized there was a lot of people in this seduction community that were actually not happy, and it was not a good way of life for me. So instead, I started focusing on self-development, getting better in my mind, which helped me a lot in my career as an athlete and 
in karate. Um, I managed to become a world medalist. And I would attribute a lot of that to the mindset strategies that I've read about from all of the authors from the game, basically, and even others. So that's how I got introduced to you the first time. Uh, so can you just talk about when, when did you get interested in seduction and how, how did that journey start for you? I can give you the history and that's a typical kind of question. I'll give you the history, but that's biography. The more, to me, the more fun question that I like to answer was what was my driving force and what keeps me interested in this today? And yes, I wanted to get laid. I was a 25-year-old virgin, very, very ugly, had no social skills. That's true. But I always thought in the back of my mind since I was like five or six years old that I was meant to walk a path, didn't know what it was. I even had a vision as a very young boy. My father worked for an orthopedic surgeon, and the orthopedic surgeon had a huge estate in Bel Air. Now, you know where Bel Air is, and it overlooked like a canyon. I remember looking out in the canyon and having a kind of blurry vision of teaching a huge arena, not an arena, but a huge group of men. So even then, I buried it. I forgot about it. I didn't bury it. I just forgot about it. And then subsequently, many years later, I was like at UCLA, maybe in my very early 20s and the 10th woman in a row had canceled on me with some stupid excuse like my parakeet is sick. I need to take them to that. I don't remember. That wasn't it, but it was stupid shit like that. I remember yelling out loud, when am I going to solve this? And the little voice of intuition in my head said, when you solve it for yourself, you'll solve it for everyone. And so I always believed that I was meant to do something great. I didn't know what it was. I just didn't. And then I stumbled onto NLP. I thought, you know, this is fascinating. This study of how language can affect people on the unconscious or subconscious level, I like to use them interchangeably. This study fascinates me. I'm going to make this my life's work. And I remember having the vision of being in a hurricane and being blown off my feet, but my wrapping my arms around a palm tree and that palm tree represented NLP. I remember thinking, I'm not letting go of you. I'm going to master you. And so it became my life's work. And for me, the real question is what keeps you passionate about doing it? That's the question. I've been doing it now 32 years. Why have I not? No, no, granted you, I've rebranded. I've mapped over everything I know about seduction and dating and the selling because I think selling is the, dating is the ultimate sale. You've got to do, you've got to get your confidence up. You've got to do your prospect outreach. You've got to do your qualifying questions, do your sales presentation, go for the close, overcome objections. That's a big sale. So I managed to map it over. I hope this answers your questions to some extent. Yeah. What you're talking about impact. So what's the most important impact you want to have in people's lives? I want people to see past the matrix of how language freezes their world and their life and open up their neural pathways that they can to achieve what they want to achieve through using the power of language. I'll unpack that and give you some specific examples if you'd like. Yeah, I would like to, uh, I would like to go there. I also want to talk about you know, the power of language, uh, can you just also answer this question? Because I'm curious, in the beginning when you learn language and patterns and how to speak, it's almost like a script, right? Is that correct? In a sense, yes. Uh, and when do you go from the script to become 
a natural speaker again and just having that. Like well, as we know in NLP, as we know in the NLP model is there's unconscious incompetence. You're incompetent and you're not even aware of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's conscious incompetence where you're incompetent and you recognize it. There's conscious competence where you're consciously aware of what you're doing and it's working. Then there's unconscious competence where it becomes second nature. So you have to move through that learning curve, that period of where it doesn't necessarily feel natural at first. And that's fine. That's how we learn. It didn't feel natural when you learned to walk. I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I know as a fighter, the first time I went to a competition, I was thinking about everything and doing the techniques in a specific way as I've trained, but the better I became, it be, I became one with the movement and reacted very fluently and it was, it felt amazing. So I guess it's, it might be the same thing. Sounds about so. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Please give us a couple of examples. Um, yeah. So I remember when I used to teach seminars for guys, invariably the question I get is I can get the sevens and eights, I can't get the nines and tens. And I would laugh and say, there's no such thing as a nine or a 10. There's only the level of sexual excitement you feel in your body. So if your sexual excitement is at a level 10, of course, you're not going to be able to think straight. If your brain is exploding with jizz, how can you think straight enough to have a conversation to calibrate emotionally, to calibrate socially? You're not going to be able to. So by thingifying your world with language, you lose contact with the process that's going on inwardly. What you can make contact with, you can modify. What you can't see is going to be in control of you automatically. Same when I teach sales. People say to me, I don't want to do cold calls. I say, never do a cold call again. Extend an opportunity. Do opportunity outreach. So reframing things with language unfreezes your world. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And... What else, what else can people do if we go over and talk a little bit more about the sale and your, your, your new book? What, what else is there? That's so unspecific and so general. It's asking for a narrative. Can you be a little bit more specific? Yeah, of course. I mean, you told me that you're helping people adding six figures to their sales that are already successful. It, yeah, they have to be doing a minimum of multiple six figures to work with me. Yeah. It's just... Um, how it is because I'm busy and I, I, I take stars, I turn them into superstars. Well, I teach basic principles. Principle number one, you're never selling a product or service. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. You can even define yourself as a decision service technician. Here's the thing. Nowadays, people don't know how to make good decisions because they're so distracted. They're so checked out. They're so turned off because we have Twitter we have Facebook Instant Messenger. We have this thing, which could well be the death knell of intelligent society. I'm holding up a cell phone for those of you who are not, for some reason, not watching the video. We have Instant. We have Instagram. We have Tinder. Not that I know anything about Tinder. <laughs> um, and so people are horribly distracted. So that being the case, if you're going to sell them a decision, you need to sell them on the fact that they can even trust making the decision. You need to get them focused in on you. So first principle, you're never selling your product or service. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. Second principle, before you think of 
giving people the facts, data, figures. Think, what state of consciousness do I want them to be in to receive my words? Let me unpack that. Let's use a metaphor. I have a sheet of gold foil and a sheet of cardboard. It's not a trick question, Peter. I want to conduct electricity down one of those mediums. Which one of those is going to conduct the electricity? It's not a trick question. The gold foil or the cardboard? Gold. Exactly. So think of the state of mind of your prospect as being the conductive medium. Do you want them in the cardboard of skepticism, distraction, inability to focus, or do you want them in the gold foil state of being focused, eager to hear you, even on the unconscious level, seeing you as a leader that they have to follow? And my crazy claim is you can use language to create those states of consciousness. So selling being about designing and states of consciousness, both for yourself. What state of mind do you want to be in that serves you best when you go to make the sale? And by the way, it's not being positive. What states of mind do you want to create for your prospect and keep them in and chain them along as you progress along in the sale? These are the more thinking. Look, for me, selling is not about getting your ideas into your prospect's mind. It's about expanding their mind to include your ideas. It's a crazy way of thinking, but it's the very ways of thinking and feeling and acting and responding that stand so far outside of what you're used to doing to hold the potential for results that are so far outside of what you're used to enjoying. Think of the metaphor of Columbus. What did people tell Columbus would happen if he kept sailing? You'll You'll fall out of the world, right? You'll fall off the edge of the world, but he didn't. He sailed off their map and discovered a new country. And in so doing, he earned the right to write his own map and to rewrite the maps for the rest of the world. Now, his maps were incomplete, as all maps are. My map is incomplete. Difference is I acknowledge it. I welcome students to come on and add in things that I can't see to correct mistakes that I'm so, they're so glued to my face, I can't even see them. Yeah. So I also want to talk about, I, I, did some research and you talked about a very impactful moment in your life when your father passed away and how that kind of changed your life. Would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. So my dad passed on in 2008. He was an amazing guy. He's, he was the part of the great generation, the greatest generation, the generation of Americans who went through the great depression and fought World War II. My father was a combat medic fighting the Nazis. He was wounded in battle, in the Battle of the Bulge. And as a medic, you're not allowed to carry a gun. So he had to go out there under fire, getting shelled, crawl through minefields, bring people back. And so my father was very ill. Towards the end of his life, his spine had basically crumbled from old age. He was in tremendous pain. So we were giving him more, well, I wasn't personally doing it, but the hospice nurse was giving him morphine drops under his tongue. And to not, he was knocked out completely. He didn't feel any pain. So my sister called me and said, hey, Paul, you better come down. Dad's limbs are getting cold. So I came down and his breathing got shallower. The, most of the family was there. And just before he died, he opened his eyes, looked around. He had tremendous recuperative powers. He had three open heart surgeries, was up in, in three weeks when you're supposed to be out for months. I like to think he channeled the last of his life force to open his eyes to say goodbye. But when my dad died, I saw something I didn't expect, and not a ghost or spirit. I saw the shell of my father. It was just his shell. And it really hit me. First of all, I never even conceptualized the idea of a shell of a human being. It was just his shell. He wasn't there. 
I thought, wow, one day I'm going to go that way. I'm just going to be an empty shell. I better play it big. I better recognize that you only have a limited number of innings. And compared to everything else, that moment was really transformational. It really was. Then I remember I went and I ate ice cream. <laughs> I said, fuck it, I'm out of here. I'm getting some ice cream. Thank you for sharing that. And and, and I yeah. think there's there's those pivotal moments in our life when we decide that we, we need to, you know, play all out, especially if you want to become, you know, successful at a high level. And they need to take that extra step to play all out, to remove all their limiting beliefs. Is there any... Why? Why? Because... Why do they want to do that? Why is that such a... Dr- what is wrong with playing at a high level? Why do we all need to be the best in the world? I want to question that premise. It used to be that people were happy with having a middle-class life, yeah. you know, a house and, and a family. Why do we all buy into this myth that we have to be peak performers at all times? Who sold us this shoddy bill of goods? Yeah. I'm serious. No, I... I- I, I wanted to have a discussion yeah. about this. Let's talk about it. Who sold us this shoddy bill of goods? We have to be the best in the world, 100%, all the time, 110%. This is the American myth and the, the American dream and the American torture. Where did we buy into this? Yeah. I mean, that's it's very interesting because what I'm trying to do is to redefine the concept of success. And what I've seen in my conversations with more than 200 guests that are high performance is that being the best is not always necessarily being the happiest. So that it's a very interesting question, but when I do something, I want to play at the best level because it, that's different than that. That's great. That's great. But we can't all be the best in the world. I can play some basketball, but I can never be a Michael Jordan or may he rest in peace of Kobe yeah. Bryant or a LeBron James. I don't want to be, and I couldn't anyway. But let's talk about uh, let's let's debunk it. So what? There's something. There's something. I believe it's in the Talmud, or the Midrash. Maybe it's in in the the, uh, the scripture that says, and I'm I'm an atheist, but says, "Who is mighty? He who is content with his lot, and he who has conquered his own desires is more powerful than he who has conquered a thousand cities." Why do I need a billion dollars? Why do I need 300 girlfriends? Let's question what really makes us happy. What I've found is, yeah, I buy into that too. I'm stuck in that matrix, but I also have a little, little tiny bit of my personality that sees I'm happiest when I serve others and when I meditate. And I have brief little moments, tiny little micro hits, micro, micro hits of being happy independent of circumstances which I've only been able to find through meditation, but very, 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 very rarely. But it's still there. I know it's possible. It is. For people that don't have an impact or purpose, they might be stuck in that job right now where they're like, they're making a lot of money. They're, you know, always thinking about becoming the best. So support a charity. Support a charitable cause that you believe in. You said something that I want to move on to another subject before I let you go. I know you have a hard deadline a little bit. Uh, And I I really like this. You said a person that doesn't need guarantee of success is attractive. And and I really like that 
you know, saying. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Human beings are looking for certainty. We want to know that something's going to work. We're hardwired to seek certainty, but we're also hardwired to seek novelty. So there's that constant friction in the human psyche to stay safe and have certainty and then have novelty and have new experience. And the way in which that arises uniquely for people, each person is different. How that arises tells you a lot about that person. Tells you a whole hell of a lot. So being able to move into something new and not need, listen to me, not need a guarantee that it's going to work. Doesn't mean you don't take appropriate cautions, but not needing a guarantee and giving other people permission to have their first radical response to you. They're giving them radical permission to have their first response to you is enormously attractive. If I approach a woman I don't know, and again, I'm with an I have a hot girlfriend. Sorry, ladies, I'm taking neener, neener, neener. Um, if I approach someone who I don't know and she responds in a way that's angry or, or nasty, I hold space for that. I don't judge her. I can interrupt that response if I don't judge her. I remember being out with a student who was striking out terribly. We went outside waiting for our cabs. Tell you how long ago that was. And I said, look, there's a young lady waiting for a cab at the end of the evening. And she ripped into me. She told me to do things with my physiology that were just not anatomically possible. She brought up dead relatives. My student got very angry. He went to charge her. I put my arm out. I said, no, no. She can say whatever she wants. We decide who we, how we approach it. We decide where we come from. I said, look at her. I pointed at her. I said, she's someone's daughter. She's someone's sister. She's someone's best friend. Somewhere, she's deeply loved. Now, she went from rage to bursting into tears, sobbing, throwing her arms around me, kissing on me on the cheek and saying, I'm so sorry that almost you just showed me so much love. A guy's been pinching my ass all night long. What's your name? I said, Mr. Awesome. And off we go. <laughs> and But what did I do? I changed her response by holding space for her. I didn't know what was going to happen when I said that, so I wasn't sure, but I also gave her 100% permission, radical permission, to have that first response of anger without firing back at her in an angry way and without sinking away and without apologizing. That enabled me, those two things, not needing a guarantee and giving her radical permission to have that anger response, enabled me to interrupt her pattern and come up with that language that shifted her. When you can combine those things, not needing a guarantee, giving people radical permission to have the first response and knowing how to use language, then you walk through the world with very, very stealthy power. It's magic at a stealth level. People will never be able to see you coming. You won't be super charismatic with lightning bolts coming out of your nipples and, and the rest of that shit. But you'll have a power that other people don't. And if you want to learn more about that, and if you've got the money and want some coaching from me, just send me an email and I'll send you a link to apply to work with me. Again, I'm expensive. I'm worth every penny. And I don't work with most people because you've got to have the right attitude. You've already got to be a winner. And you've got to be willing to fork over a, a nice, hefty investment to get me. So can I give out my email yeah. address? Sure. It's paul at speakerpaulross.com. 
And if you want to write me and tell me to fuck off, that's great. I love hate mail. I reserve the right to screenshot it and put it on my Facebook wall, which I love doing. I love delicious hate mail. So please feel free, hate mail me. It will go on my Facebook wall and my girlfriend and I will get a good laugh out of it. And uh, again, if you want to work with me either on your sales or as a mentor to you for self-improvement, just write to me, Paul at Speaker Paul Ross, and I'll send you an application because no one talks to me unless I can review it and see that you at least are somewhere in the neighborhood of paying me. <laughs> awesome. So last question. Because I, I do, the other thing is I do guarantee my work and I don't like giving money back. So that's one of the reasons why I'm very selective on who I work with. Of course, I love that. And last question for you, and then I'm going to let you go. So, yeah, I have a hard stop. Uh, yep. So what is... For people that are listening and watching this, what's the first step for them to get a little bit closer to their dreams and goals? What's the first thing they can do right after? Align your, I'm funny, I'm working on a course called the Align Mind. I just outlined it yesterday. I bought this huge honking. I always design stuff first on paper and pen before I go to the computer. I bought this, you can see how big this fucker is. Really big, yeah. This huge sketchbook. To uh, design it, I think you have to align your vision with your values. Yeah. You have to know what are your values because if you have a vision of having a huge home and lots of fast cars, but your values are contributing to the world and uh, giving away your money, you're not going to be happy. So align your vision with your values. Very, very important. And that is a three month process of coaching right there. Okay. Thank you so much, Paul Ross, a.k.a. Ross Jeffries. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I had a great time with you today. I loved how you challenged me to think more, and I hope that... <laughs> That's my job, man. I, I, I just, when people ask questions, I demand that they clarify them. That's how I coach, too. I kick ass when I coach. I like it. I love it. And for people that are listening here, I hope you got something out of this conversation. If you did, please share it with somebody that needs to hear this message and get a little bit close to their dreams. Check us out at ilovesuccess.co. You already have Paul's email. That's it for today. Thank you guys and all the best. <music>